brought to you by Mystic Lubricants, developed in real-world conditions for real-world work. Mystic products are specially formulated to meet your demands. Mystic Lubricants, ride with us. For a look at their full range of top-quality products, visit mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Hey, folks, welcome to Machine Repeat Podcast, episode number 56. Uh, thank you for stopping by. I know it's uh, getting to be a busy time of year here as uh, we're transitioning March into April. Boy, it's been awful busy on the auction front here in March. Uh, trends, uh, some changing, mostly the same. Uh, auction pricing, very, very strong. Good condition used tractors, particularly loader tractors on up to the high horsepower. Uh, even higher hour ones in good condition. We've been seeing some some rising plate, uh, prices. Uh I know uh, one that pops to mind for me was a sale last week in Atlanta, Illinois, by my friend uh, Dan Naughton with Naughton Auction Service. Uh, holy smokes, he had a 1980 John Deere 4440 on the sale, really sharp looking tractor, but it had 9,131 hours on it. So, you know, not crazy low, but 40,000 bucks. Highest auction price ever on a 4440, over 9,000 hours. Uh, same auction had a 1984 John Deere 4650 mechanical front, uh, just shy of 7,200 hours. That brought 60,000, only $500 off the highest I've ever seen. And again, with almost 7,200 hours. So tractor market's on fire. I am seeing just lately here, uh, one to four real use combine values are getting softer. Auction prices are weakening. Uh, and the reason that's happening, um, you maybe caught the Machine Repeat YouTube video I put out or the segment on Ag Day I did here talking on this topic. Uh, the supply of late model used combines on dealer lots has finally started to go up. And supply and demand tied at the hip always have been, always will be. And of course, we've had, it's been a supply issue that's uh, been really driving the uh, used equipment values higher here. You know, you can't get new, there's a pinch supply of new, but even more important, I've always thought past two years has been the lack of supply of good used. And so just starting to see that change a little bit with late model combines, we'll keep an eye on that. But, you know, this time of year, uh, late March, uh, growing up in a little town of Benson, Minnesota, where I did, uh, my thing was playing basketball as a little bugger. Uh, my dad played ball when he was a kid, so you want to be like your dad. I had two younger brothers, we all played. Uh, so something about this time of year, it just stirs something, I think, maybe akin to farming and you got planting coming up. And of course, across farm country, uh, the love of basketball, both at the high school level and college is, is very strong. We've had an amazing NCAA tournament with, uh, you know, four kind of new faces making the final four fun to watch. And our guest this week on the Machine Repeat podcast is so fun. Uh, former University of Iowa basketball ball star Jess Settles. And Jess of farms now. And uh, for many years, it's been a great analyst and uh, studio analyst and uh, also commentator on college basketball for ESPN, Big Ten Network, and Fox Sports. Uh, Jess was a six foot eight, uh, very strong player who could play shoot outside and play inside back in the kind of the mid-90s for the Hawkeyes. I remember as a Gopher fan watching Jess play and, and marvel at his skill set and uh Last week on Twitter, one night, I was tagged on a post, uh, an amazing video from Brazil. Uh, you know, things are way different with ag over there, just everything in general. 
but it was a combine zooming down the road with the header on up you know the header was still on this thing was booking and there was a truck going the other way and the truck didn't stop and just went right under the header and just tagged me <laughs> said ah oh, maybe i should try this in southeast iowa this fall <laughs> and i and i got that uh alert and i was like oh my gosh that's just settles so i reached out and i'm like jess loved watching you play ball back in the day hey you want to be on the machine p podcast and he he replied instantly. He's like, hey, hey, it'd be fun. So, folks, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with uh, Jess Settles, a farmer down in Winfield, Iowa, where he grew up on the farm, uh, many generational farm there, and a legendary college basketball player for the University of Iowa. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. All right, folks, time to welcome in our special guest here. It's March Madness as we wind down here. And I tell you what, special treat here. We have Jess Settles, Iowa basketball legend for the Hawkeyes back in the 90s and uh, farm boy. And Jess, hey, welcome to the Machinery P podcast. Oh, it's an honor to be on. I'm Greg, I'm excited to talk to you and, and touch base with all your listeners. I've been following you on Twitter for years and I know my my dad and my uncle have run into you at some sales at Steffes and Sullivan over the years, and just a, I truly appreciate what you've done for for our business and the ag community, and and it's an exciting time in ag. So to be able to talk to you about about basketball and farming and livestock and tractors, it's 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 going to be one of the best podcasts I've ever been on. I just know it. <laughs> well, this I back at you. I. Uh... I've been a basketball fan since I was a little kid growing up in Western Minnesota and uh, a big gopher fan here. My dad <clears throat> went to the University of Minnesota and we go to Williams Arena all the time. And I remember going up and watching you play back in the 90s for Iowa. And you were kind of a, on the forefront of a big man who could kind of do it all. Uh, were you 6'8", Jess? Yeah, six eight, and probably I'm going to say I would say two thirty ish to two forty ish when I play in college. And as you know, back in the '90s during the Clem Haskins era, yep. Bobby Jackson and and then Dr. Tom Davis at Iowa, who I played for, yep. you had to have an enforcer. That power forward spot was just such a physical position in the Big Ten. It seemed like every night you played against a lottery pick and Gene Cady and Bobby Knight, Judd Heathco, they just recruited these really tough physical guys. And then you had these McDonald's All-Americans and elite NBA players as well to build around that. And, and guys were older and more mature and they stayed in college and didn't leave early. So, yeah. you know, you and I grew up in that, that late 80s, mid 90s, glorious time of Big Ten basketball with so many elite coaches and players. And I was, it was such a, a fun time to be a part of it. And Dr. Tom let us step out and shoot the three as well. So I, I got that physicality, and I was also able to play on the perimeter. So it, it was really a fun time in Big Ten sports back then. Well, doing a little background before we uh, uh, hopped on the call here, Jess, and I, I uh, fell down a rabbit hole with so many smiles reading about uh, <laughs> Big Ten days in your high school. Let's wind it way back here. Now, you're a farm boy. You grew up uh, uh, Winfield, Iowa. Is that correct? That's exactly right. A, a small town of a thousand 
people, uh, no stoplight, uh, got a Casey's general store when I was in high school and, um, just uh, the perfect place for me to grow up about 45 minutes straight south of Iowa city on the Avenue of the saints, uh, people coming down from Minnesota, uh, you go through Sweetsburg, uh, down to Mount Pleasant and on to St. Louis. So it, it was just, uh, one of those, uh, Norman Rockwell type of childhoods where I had a wonderful mom and dad. You know, we went to church every Sunday. We loved farming, uh, had all kinds of animals and, and grew up in the country where it was martial laws. As a lot of your listeners know, you just you hop on your four wheeler, your bike, your motorcycle, and you just take off down the gravel roads and yep. in the woods and, and go fishing at the ponds and explore with, with no, no fear of any harm and just enjoying those beautiful days and the sunshine and the harvest and all that. It was, it was a terrific place to learn and work ethic. And I happened to be six foot eight, um, and, and love the game of basketball and, and that worked out for me, but uh, it was, it was the perfect place for me to grow up. Mm. So your high school was at Winfield Mount Union? Winfield Mount Union, correct. Oh, okay. uh, Winfield Mount Union consolidated. Yeah. And then we had a lot of kids from Wayland, uh, the Waco school district. Some of your listeners will be familiar with and then, and then morning sun as well. So a lot of small towns, but okay. my mom was, my mom was, uh, from a legendary family, the Crager family, where there were 10 daughters yes. and no sons. So right. my grandpa, Bob and Lucky Crager, uh, raised 10 daughters and, and they on their barn and on the farm. And my grandpa Crager was a, was a farmer as well, a cattle farmer and row crop farmer. But, uh, it's called, uh, there's a big sign on their barn still to this day, Crager girls farm because <laughs> there are 10 daughters. And, uh, he, my grandpa has a famous quote that somebody wrote about once. I think he said, paraphrasing, he said, we raised corn, beans, and, and daughters. <laughs> so that's, it's, you know, that's what I experienced. And they were, this was the six on six era. Yeah. And uh, most of them were really good basketball players. My aunt Jan played at Drake. My aunt Barb was one of the first female scholarship basketball winners at Indiana University. Wow. My mom had 69 points in a game once. Oh. And then, and just for fun, all of your listeners will know George Kittle, who's the top tight end in the NFL, yeah. who plays for the 49ers. That's my first cousin, who's Jan's son. So we wow. had we had the, a lot of genetic potential there, and and my mom's and my mom and my aunts were phenomenal players. But yeah, right there in Little Winfield, Iowa, it's uh, it, it's uh, it was a it was a special place. Well, George Kittle, your cousin, yeah, he's uh, he's a revolutionary tight end. He's amazing, and you had another cousin that also played tight end for uh for the hawkeyes as well that played with george didn't you that's right uh, henry Craiger coble was a phenomenal tight end at iowa those guys were fortunate to play in the rose bowl um my other cousin brad carlson was a, a big time baseball player at the university of iowa i, I think still holds the freshman home rec- run record or maybe the overall home run record yep. and several of my aunts went on to to great success and i have a lot of a lot of my cousins so I, there was a Susan Harmon was a writer for the Press Citizen in, in, in Iowa City, and wrote an article once and said that you know called my the Craiger family uh, the first family of sports in the state of Iowa and, mm. and had fun with that. And we just we just had a lot of guys and gals from our family as it gets bigger and bigger do some wonderful things on the athletic field and uh, and we've had a lot of fun with that. Now, uh, so Jess, your if we wind it back even farther, your grandfather very well-known throughout the ag community. Is that JT? Yes. Uh, my grandpa, JT Settles, 
grew up over in La Harpe, Illinois, a, a huge family. And uh, if you're around La Harpe, Illinois, you would remember JT Settles. Uh, he just had a passion. He's like you and, and all your listeners. Just had a passion for ag and, and loved animals. And he rented a farm from a guy named Dr. Myers, who was a dentist in La Harpe, Illinois, for 17 years. And they partnered uh, Settles and Myers, uh, purebred hamps, and they ended up building one of the top herds in the country. They had two sales a year. And uh, a lot of, you know, successful boars and gilts and well-known boars and bloodlines and, and people from around the country would come into those sales and buy those, uh, buy those hams from those guys. And mm. for 17 years, he saved up. And then in the early 60s, like about 1961, he started looking through the Midwest and uh, looking for farm ground to start his own business. And I ended up as far north as Boone, Iowa and, and down mm. into Missouri and and ended up settling at Winfield, Iowa, and, and the rest is history. But hmm. he, uh, I remember my dad would tell me that he, they had Minneapolis Molines, they had Z's and U's when they were when they were over there in La Harp. Okay, and uh, he, he would take uh, take them into Chinawis in, in Blainsville, Illinois, I believe, and get them bored out so he could get more horsepower. Nice. So, <laughs> they were right on the edge of that cutting, you know, just right at the beginning of the ag revolution. And and back then, you made your money off of off the livestock, and you. You know, you were just using the the land on the side, basically. Mm-hmm. But you had to get that. They were always trying to fight for horsepower, and the Minneapolis Moline is is what uh, you know what we built the entire operation off of. And my dad still has several old ones in the shed. He's got an R, a Z, a U, and his six hundred two, which was his favorite, which was what he used when he started wow. farming. Well, sometime, Jess, you'll have to send me a picture of Pop's uh, mini mole collection there. That'd be pretty fun to see. And uh, when you were. Uh, a little guy growing up on the farm there, what, what kind of tractors did you guys have around besides the, the mini molds? We had, uh, my dad had an Oliver 1855 and uh, the, the 602 I mentioned, but the one that was my favorite and probably when I was young and really got going, it was a Deutz 13006. Ooh, and uh, nice. that was, you know, that was real horsepower compared to what we'd had in the past. Nice. So that's, that's what I grew up on, you know, hauling manure and, and moving, you know, cogs from one building to another and what, probably a five bottom John Deere plow and yep. that, put, put that thing down in that gumbo and just, just let that thing roar late mm. into the night. That, that was, that was probably the most impactful one. And then as, as the John Deere technology and the case technology started to surpass all those other companies, we were very fortunate to have a John Deere dealership in Winfield, which it was just amazing in a small town like that to have that. And then they, my my uncle Gary and dad, they, you know, they got the 4430s and they got what, maybe, I think my uncle had a 4630. And this this was just probably 15 years ago. Was that Sinclair Tractor? Was that in town? Yeah, Sinclair owns them now. Yes. Okay. Sinclair has been bought up and we we still are in there every week. Nice. Um, But then we, you know, we we ended up, I'm going to say 10, 12 years ago, we got an 8130 and that was a game changer for us. Mm. Nice. And then now we have a couple 225Rs. So just it's just amazing, you know, for me, I'm almost 50 years old now, but just to hear my Uncle Gary and Dad talk about the M&Ms and the Olivers and the horsepower and the technology. And, yeah. and now and now we're into that. And my grandpa, my grandpa Craiger had a had an international 1086, but he was um, he, he worked. He, he had a lot of Olivers back in the day, a 1650, an 1850, okay. and I think an 1855. Okay. And then ended up with the International, 
Um, and yeah, so I, I love it. Um, I don't know near as much about the numbers and the tractors as, as my dad and uncle and you do, obviously, but, uh, there's still some of them laying around in the barns and it's pretty sweet. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Jess, you grew up uh farm boy like that and, uh, your basketball career, uh, legendary. You, uh, was it 93 you graduated from, uh, Winfield Mount Union? That's correct. Uh, had a wonderful coach, Mike Kelker, uh, wonderful teammates, played with a kid by the name of Clay Edwards who played uh, for Johnny Orr at Iowa State. So we had, for a small town, we had some, some tremendous players. And yeah, it just uh, it just worked out. I, I went to a few camps, five-star basketball camp in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I started getting recruited. Uh, always dreamed of being a Hawkeye. Grew up watching Big Ten basketball. Nope. And uh, to be able to get an opportunity to play at Iowa, it's just so rare. Uh, to be able to get a scholarship was just a, a dream come true for me. And and uh, and also to be 45 minutes from the farm was even better. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I was uh, as I was uh, getting ready for our call, Jess, I, I did find an old YouTube video of the 1992 Iowa State Class A championship game. You were a junior, I think. <laughs> Applington versus Winfield Mount Union. So I start watching. And they looked like they had kind of a full court press type of deal. Boom, they're up six nothing timeout. But you guys got it under control. I think you had like thirty some that game. Um, I think they got you at the end. But wow, what a what a ball game! What was it like playing as a as a kid from Winfield to be? Because I assume that was at the old uh, the veterans down at in Des Moines for the state championship. Yeah, I mean it. It kind of gives me goosebumps just you mentioning it. I, I've never watched that game. And so I just have kind of flashbacks to it, but it was, it was a huge deal. Um, kind of a Hoosiers movie mentality when a small town team would make it to the, yeah. to the vets and get to play and, and meet governor Brandstad and, and then to keep winning and make it to the championship game was, was incredible. We, we lost to a really good athlete to Parkersburg team that uh, many of your listeners would remember Jared DeVries, who was a star defensive lineman at the university of Iowa and had an outstanding career for the Detroit Lions. Mm. And then his brother, uh, Darian, was the best basketball player of the, of the family and is now the head coach at Drake University in Des Moines. Wow. They just played in the NCAA tournament. So those two guys are, are longtime friends of mine, but it was not uh, – there were some real – there were some pros on the court that day for a couple of Class A Iowa basketball teams. Well, I it was, think – It was pretty phenomenal. If I'm, you correct me if I'm wrong, Jess, but I think both teams were unbeaten going into that championship game, right? That's that's probably probably right. I, I'd forgotten about that as well. Well, watching that, so then uh, in '93, you you wrap up uh, legendary high school career off to the University of Iowa to play for Dr. Tom Davis. Now I'm so old, Jess. I remember. I think he was he coached previously like Boston College. I think didn't he? Absolutely had had a, a lot of success at Stanford and Boston College and just just one of those regular guys. He grew up in small town Wisconsin. He uh he he had a love for the outdoors and ag himself and just appreciated recruiting farm kids and, and he had a wonderful relationship with my folks. My grandpa JT Settles, you know, late in his life, became really good friends with him and mm. because we lived so close, my grandpa JT Settles would come up to practices all the time. I mean there were there were sometimes he was there five days a week. <laughs> Dr. Tom would let him sit there and watch practice. So that, that was such a blessing for him. Wow. But he, he just had a, a feel for the ag community. He understood 
the Midwest and, and what farming meant to everybody. And yes, you have to win and you have to have a successful program, but he, he, he had a PhD in history. And so he was just, he was, I call, I say he was a businessman who was a basketball coach and, and he was more than a basketball coach. He just understood where he was at and, and what the, uh, what the business meant to everybody in the Midwest. Wow. Well, I, uh, I remember Dr. Tom. Well, he's still with us, isn't he? He is. He's doing well. I just talked to him a couple of days ago on a text and, uh, he's doing great. Uh, he's healthy. He's, he's a scratch golfer and, uh, nice. lives in Iowa city and, and doing well. Well, next time you talk to Dr. Tom, just pass along, uh, Minnesota fans appreciated how he rolled, uh, uh, but, uh, now one thing I, I'm trying to remember too, again, I'm so old just, but Dr. Tom, was he sort of known for promoting the bounce pass? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're bringing back all these great memories. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? You know what's funny, Greg? Uh, Brian Dutcher, who's yeah. coaching in the final four this weekend, yeah. his dad was the Gophers head coach, right? right? You know, Brian oh, Dutcher. Yeah. No. Well, I remember the first Gopher game I ever went to was, was uh was November twenty fourth, nineteen seventy four, wow. and there was a Michael Thompson was a freshman with Mark yeah. Oberding, uh, and Jim Dutcher was the coach, Brian's dad. Yeah, so we we know yes. Jim well. I love that. I love. That. I keep telling more of those those uh, memories. I love that. <laughs> but Dutcher was the uh, Steve Fisher's assistant coach at Michigan, right during the Fab Five era, during the Glenn Rice national championship era yep. and Dutcher recruited me to Michigan. I actually took a visit there mm. and Brian Dutcher and Steve Fisher actually came to Winfield to my gym and to our, to the farm to, to recruit me. That's awesome. And so he, when, when I decided to turn them down and, and play for Iowa, he, Brian Dutcher is such a great man. And he used to tease me before the games when we played Michigan. He used to tease me about, He'd say, hey, if you go to Iowa, you're going to be forced to throw that goofy bounce pass all the time. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to make you throw that bounce pass. So it's amazing how that – he used to tease me about that, and that stuck in your head. But I've covered his team a couple times this year and a few times last year at San Diego State, and we just – he loves Minnesota and talking Minnesota basketball and the Big Ten, and we've had, we have a really good relationship. But that's, that's funny that both of you guys – 30 years later, bringing up the bounce pass. Well, the reason it was driven into my head, because ESPN became a thing. I remember living in the sticks in western Minnesota, and I think it was like February of 1980, it clicked on our cable. We're like, oh, my God, what is this? It's ESPN. And they would show Big East basketball, and Boston College was playing, you know, Georgetown and stuff. And my dad would come through, and when BC was playing Dr. Tom, they would do bounce passes, and he would say, boys, Pay attention. Watch that. That's the way to play basketball. Uh, uh, nice. So, but your career, I mean, at Iowa, you were Big Ten Freshman of the Year in 1994, uh, 15 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, shooting almost 60% inside and outside. You, you kind of took the Big Ten by storm as a freshman. I, I was very fortunate. Uh, it, it's kind of a bittersweet memory as a freshman. As you know, and all your Big Ten fans know, our, our best player, Chris Street, was uh, tragically killed in the car accident. Right. There was a tremendous uh, documentary on the Big Ten Network a few yes. months ago during the anniversary that most of your listeners who watch basketball probably watch. So you can imagine me coming from Winfield and just wanting to be mentored by Chris and wanting to fit in and maybe play a few minutes um, and then for me, I'm just thrust into the starting lineup because of that. 
and 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 had to it was baptism by fire so through that tragedy was able to get a ton of minutes learn uh coach davis really poured into me and and it was it was it was nuts it was like it, it seemed like every single night there was a first round pick it was mm. it was glenn robinson on monday night then you know then it was Vashawn leonard at minnesota the next night and then it was alan henderson for indiana and then it was Jawan howard and the fab five it, it, it went mm. on and on and on so i just kept going up against these elite players and learned so much um and was able to have a, a decent freshman year and and become freshman of the year and it just it happened so fast to go from a town of thousand of a thousand to 365 days later after graduation being big 10 freshman of the year and one of the great big 10 eras of all time yeah the, and and uh for folks who remember uh uh was chris right chris chris street was it was right. january of 93 his car accident wasn't it that's exactly right Th 30 years ago and uh was just in iowa city in a, in a tragic car accident and uh really uh, impacted everybody in the Midwest. Was Chris, I'm trying to remember, I, I could be way off here, but was he from Osceola or where was he from? Indianola. Indianola, Indianola okay. Little south there of Des Moines. Indianola, gotcha, okay. So you had this amazing start to your career and, uh, you know, lit the Big Ten on fire. And uh, and then uh, you had you battled some tough injuries throughout your basketball time at Iowa there, Jess. Was it, a, was it your back? Yes, I, I had a back injury uh, early my sophomore year that I could never recover from, mm. could never get it right. To this day, is very difficult for me to deal with, with it physically. Mm. So it just, with, with a bad back or a bad knee, you're not going to be the same, and, and you battle through that. And that's just the, you know, the, the thrill of vic victory, the agony of defeat, the cruelty of sport. It's it's hard to uh, it's hard to do well when you when you when you're 100. percent But so many men and women deal with injuries, and, and that bit me and and yeah. changed the trajectory of my life. And that's that's how you have to deal with it. And the years go by, but yeah, that was that was really tough. We had some really good teams and some great teammates, and we're hoping to make some deep runs. And, and ended up having a, a wonderful career and with some great great teams, and we played in a Sweet 16 and all that. But never never could quite become what I was hoping to become. Well, just through that process, I'm wondering if your farm background and upbringing, uh, you know, basically, you know, if you're a farmer, uh, you know, times aren't always rosy and, and the, and the, and the don't quit attitude. Uh, did you find did that kind of power you forward through the injury? Cause you wound up playing. I think there was a year or two maybe where you, you had to sit out, you couldn't play at all, but you hung in there yeah. and, when did you graduate, like 98 or 9 or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, with all the transfer portal now and the extra year and the COVID year that these kids get now, I, Danny Earl from Penn State, Evan Eschmeyer from Northwestern, and myself, we were the first 60-year guys, I think, in the history of college basketball. Mm. So we were granted two redshirt years because of serious injuries. And uh, so that's, that was, that's always kind of been a running joke for the three of us until now everybody's able to stay six or seven years. But... Yeah, it, it was it was definitely a struggle, but my upbringing uh, was. I, I think you're right. I, you you sit at the you know the kitchen table and the dining room table, and there's not it's constant stress with ag, right? You're yeah. it's you're constantly trying to decide when to market the grain, when to when to buy new equipment, your your the weather, all those things that you and your listeners are very familiar with, and you just try to you find a way to persevere. And you know, I had a great 
mom and great dad and, and through those trials and tribulations you just you lean back on detasseling and and those late late nights and you just you keep grinding and I, I think that did that did help me um and it's a different if you're if you're living if you live for a regular paycheck it's it's maybe hard for a lot of people to understand that it's but for those of us who grow up without it and you're just you, you grow up knowing that you, you might be floating checks here and you gotta wait six yeah. months more so the prices get higher. It's just what you grow up with so you can you can deal with it. And that probably did help me deal with some of those stressful times that I went through as a player. Well just curious to get your take on uh something else, Justin. I guess what made me think of this was watching that YouTube video of your state championship game when you were a junior, which you guys go into undefeated twenty eight no and come out on the losing end to an awesome Applington team. But it was interesting to me at the end of the video, you know, they award the trophies to first the runner up and then the, and these days, a lot of times when, and I understand when you're a competitor and you get beat, it's tough, but when your team went up to get your trophy, there wasn't, there was no hangdog. And, and you guys, you lifted the trophy high and your fans cheered. And then as through your college career, I mean, you, you got off to that start you did, and then you have these physical ailments. And I remember watching you as a player compete like hell, but you could tell there was a respect for the opponent there, and uh, sportsmanship was shining through. And that, that's what I saw in that in that old high school clip on a tough – because that's tough. I mean, you got a state championship game and you lost, but, you know, you hold, hold that trophy high and be proud you're from Winfield Mount, Mount Union, right? Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, all of us as competitors, uh, we, we obviously want to win. We're addicted to winning. And, and if, you're very, if you're very lucky to be able to play even at the college level, you've, you've, gone, you've, you've had to beat out so many talented men and women in whatever sports you're in. And, and then you get to that point and, and the expectations are so high. It kind of comes back to your roots. I, win or lose, you've you got to shake hands. You're, even if you're bitter inside, you got to try to do it the right way and when I was playing back in the 90s you know a, a guy I mean when we were playing against Minnesota right these, they were wars I mean they were yeah. so physical yeah. and elbows were flying and guys are tripping and shoving but there was never like after the game there was never a mentality like I want to wait outside the locker room for a guy or anything. Yeah. Yeah. it was it was it was pure respect and nobody we didn't ever think it you know, guys were dirty. I mean, you consider a guy physical, but it was it was never like that. I mean, you would you you would hard foul a guy, or they would hard foul you, and then after the game, you'd get a pizza with them. It was yeah. it, it was that type of mentality. Um, I do I, I do remember. I, I think I was in eighth grade, and I, I was pitching in uh, Pony League or Little League or around River. I think I was up in Riverside, Iowa, South Iowa City. Mm-hmm. I, I was pitching, and my dad was my coach, and I was. I think I was pouting a little bit. I was, a couple of my guys on my team made some errors or I threw a few meatballs that they hit out. <laughs> my dad came out during that game and, and without embarrassing me, chewed me out and, and, and yeah. taught me, you know, look, you can't, you can't lose your composure. You can't allow your opponent to see that you're weak like that. You can't throw a fit. So all those things come from your dad and your grandpa and your parents just yeah. disciplining you and correcting you and training you and, and uh, you know, making it so you do it the right way and, and that there are consequences if you don't. Right, right. No, I, I love it, Jess. Uh, so as, when you got out of college then, I mean, it, it, it sort of looked like an NBA career, but then the injury um, 
And, and then I know you got into coaching with Iowa Wesleyan. Walk us through when you got out of, graduated from Iowa, what your path was. Well, you know, I, I had to, I actually, for a few years, ended up moving to Arizona. My, my wife and I did. We were, I, I had a lot of troubles with my back injury, and I was, mm. I had to have some procedures done and just trying to get that thing calmed down. It was, it was really a, a really a, a struggle. Mm. Um, and then when we got to calm down a little bit, got into coaching. I was a volunteer assistant at uh, Southeastern Community College in Burlington, Iowa. Uh, we went to the Final Four. It's one of Indian Hills and Southeastern. Uh, on they call it the war on 34 they're two of the top juco schools in america mm. and uh just a lot of division one players coming and going and high level basketball so that's where i got a taste of it and then the iowa wesleyan job opened up and i slid into that for a couple of years and, and, and had a wonderful time they ended up going from NIA to division three mm. and so we lost our scholarships and i was farming at the time Okay. And able to manage both of those because we didn't have livestock. So I was, you know, with my dad and uncle carrying the bulk of the weight, I was able to make that happen. But once they went, once it happened where you go, uh, no scholarships, the recruiting is just a hundred times more intense and yeah. more travel and all that. So it, there were probably four or five other factors involved in it, but it was a wonderful time. We had great teams, but it just, it was time to, uh, to, to let that go. And then, I just started dabbling in the television stuff yep. uh, locally a year later, and, and the rest is history. Well, in the TV history, folks, if you haven't had the, uh, the privilege to catch Jess on, the, on BTN, the Big Ten Network, or ESPN, or Fox, uh, either as an in-studio analyst for many years with the Big Ten Network, or now calling games, I'm telling you what, Jess Settles is a great analyst. It's fun to listen to you call games, Jess. Uh, what was that transition into television like? It, it was uh, it was pretty natural uh, for me. It's uh, when you're in the studio. Um, it, it's uh, it, as you've been in the studio many times yourself. You know the the questions are set up for you. You you have a lot of uh, commercial breaks. They're short segments. You 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 sort of know what's coming, mm-hmm. and so you're able to prepare for that. When you, I've always found calling the games are is extremely challenging. Uh, if, you, if you want to do a good job and if you, you want to honor the kids and the coaches, the programs and, and add value for the fans, it's, it takes a tremendous amount of homework, preparation, interviews. You put hours and hours into one game. And then, you know, with the rules and the block charges and the strategy, and, and it's so fast right in front of you. It's live yeah. television, the producers talking in your ear and these things. It's, it's, uh, that part of it did not come naturally for me. So it's, it's been uh, that. That's a challenge. I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy, enjoy traveling, uh, getting to be around the players, the coaches, some, and and promoting ag when I can. It's been a, it's been a big platform, and uh, yeah, I've been doing it about ten years now, so it's gone pretty well. Well, it is fun to catch you on the TV. Uh, I stop when I when I see. Oh, hey, our guy Jess is announcing this game. So, and by the way, I have to tell folks now. I'm 57. I've been watching hoops since I was like, whatever, four or five. You, my friend, had the best analyst statement during the game I've ever heard. I think it was this winter you were announcing the Oklahoma State at Iowa State game. So we're over names there. And I, th- I think the actual quote was, you were talking about the old legendary Iowa State coach, Johnny Orr, and you said, that Johnny Orr could sell a John Deere tractor to a Case IH dealer. That is awesome. I, I appreciate that. It's Johnny Orr, as as all your listeners from 
the Ames area and Iowa State fans know he he could sell and he could market and promote like nobody else. It was it was phenomenal. I I loved him and uh, was recruited by him and had a hard time turning him down. Mm. But there are it's it's always fascinating, right? Because obviously most of the people involved in TV production from around the country and and all the contractors and all the camera people and the drivers there there's so many people involved in a production that will blow your mind but they you know I, I i rarely come across any of them who are farm kids who are or who know ag so when they find out that i'm that i'm really a farmer like in three weeks i'm going to be planting corn they that it kind of blows their mind so that always comes up in the in the meetings or on the pre-game calls mm-hmm. and so it kind of it kind of we laugh about it. And so it gives me a little bit of an opening to share ag with those guys and talk about John Deere's and cases and pioneer and Suka fans and all the yeah. things I like to talk about. And then a lot of times the game, like with the Johnny Air, Johnny Oracle, it, it can, it sets up to be able to say things like that as everybody in ag knows that there's the, the rivalry between the red and the green tractors. And so it, yeah. it gets people stirred up and talking. And, and I, I, the other day in the game, I said something to the effect of I said there are, there are two types of professionals who hate droughts more than anyone else. I said basketball coaches and farmers. <laughs> and so my my play by play guy loses it right because one team had missed like ten shots in a row. So that's wow. what I'm referring to as a drought. Right. And then in, so then he comes back and said, well, well, no one would know that more than you, Jeff Settles, because you yeah. farm. And so that's I'm. Uh, I, I, I told one of the kids from Iowa, I said he's more reliable than John Deere 4430 in a game early in the year. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Because we all, we, everybody's had a 4430 on their farm at one time, and you never have to take it to yeah. shop, and it always starts, even if you haven't used it for six months, right? I mean, we just that all know that. Awesome. So they, I try to connect with the people, and as you know, most Big Ten fans are connected to ag, whether it's right. banking, insurance, chemicals. And I, I try to tell the producer staff and the, and the suit staff, but they don't quite understand. I'm like, look, when I say these things, you have to understand the majority of people know what I'm talking about. So I, I try to do my part. I do. Well, Jess, you keep doing that because, and that's, in, and we were chatting a little before we started here, but uh, intentional on your part to bring in the egg references. And uh, you know what? That's just, God bless you. That's, that's a good thing to do because, you know, there are people out there, whether they're watching in the bar or their basement or whatever, and they're just smiling when you're saying they're, so thank you for doing that. You're connecting uh, our rural roots to the game we we love here, and and that's um, just fantastic. Uh, now, if we stay on the topic uh, basketball here, we got the Final Four coming up, uh, you know, here soon. And just curious, your take. I mean, kind of an interesting a mix this year. Uh, no, no blue bloods, I guess, are the legendary programs. Yeah, I, I just read on Twitter this morning that. I think it, they said it's the first time since 1979, which would have been, I believe, the Bird Magic Championship. Yep. This is the first time since then that there's not a McDonald's All-American on any of the teams. Hmm. So it's just it's remarkable what this extra year, the transfer portal, the NIL, for the teams that have gotten older, obviously a lot of the star players only come for a year or two and leave the, to go to the draft. So it's, it's it obvious, you know, going forward, it's going to be chaos like this. It's going to always be hard to predict. There aren't going to be usually those old dominant, yeah. you know, Kentucky and Duke teams because so many of their guys leave early. But I, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I'm pulling for Brian Dutcher in San Diego State because of his Midwest roots. I really, 
gotten to know him well and, yeah. and love the defense they play. But it looks like going into it that UConn is obviously on fire and just dominating people. So they'll yeah. probably be heavy favorites. But yeah. hopefully Dutch will get this thing pulled off. Well, back earlier in their tournament, uh, to bring up another Iowa, uh, rural Iowa connection, uh, the coach for, uh, was it uh, FDU, Fairley Dickinson out in New Jersey, uh, whose name, Tobin Anderson, uh, a couple years older than you, but also another uh, Iowa basketball player from the early 90s, right? Yes, and, and I, I had no idea. I, I learned that with the rest of the country, and it's uh, right, what a life-changing upset over Purdue that he just had and, and what he just took the Iona job, I believe, and parlayed that. Okay. So it, the, the tournament can uh, change lives. The tournament can change your life and, and just take ordinary men and women and, and prom- excel them to the top and with the, the power of television. But, yeah, I, I, I never crossed paths with him that I know of, but uh, maybe I did. I just don't remember it. So if we, uh, you know, they knocked off Purdue, number one seed, and our, our youngest daughter, uh, Josie, is a Purdue grad from 15. So even though I'm a gopher guy at heart, I cheer for the Boilers as well. But uh, that led me, you know, getting ready for our interview here, Jess, to a, a really fun bit you did on uh, Big Ten Network a few years ago where they picked your brain to comment on the all-time Iowa basketball top starting five. And so we had Roy Marble from the late 80s. Roy was kind of like Michael Jordan of the Midwest there. I remember Roy. Uh, it was the second name that really got me because Ronnie Lester. And I remember Ronnie, he took up the Hawkeyes to the Final Four in 80. And I, so I was like ninth grade. But my dad said, you know, if Ronnie wouldn't have hurt his knee, that team would have won the title. And he gutted through it. But uh, – that made me think of Purdue, actually in 2010, I was at Williams Arena watching a game when the Boilers came in, number one or two in the country, and Robbie Hummel blew his knee out. And I, I turned to my dad, who was with me at the game, and I said, oh, Ronnie Lester. And uh, just uh, curious, your Big Ten had a tough go here this year, but uh, I suppose it's just, like you were saying earlier, it's just hard with the transfer portal and everything to get a feel on it these days, huh? Yeah, those, yeah, those. That's amazing. Uh, Ronnie Lester, your dad was a hundred percent right. I, I've heard that hundred and fifty times in my career when people bring up Ronnie Lester, and, and I'm pretty sure that Magic Johnson said that Ronnie Lester was the best point guard he ever played against in college. Yeah, right. So your your dad knew what he was talking about, and and they had a they had a great team. And I'm friends. I'm good friends with Robbie Hummel. He's one of the top analysts in the country, and having a ton of success. Yeah, when, when you see those injuries and but just ruin guys' careers like that. It's, it's really tough. And, and what could have been as, as far as the big 10 right now, uh, it's, it's so physical. It's so competitive, but the game with the three point line and all the other issues that we talked about, it has made it so that to have a dominant seven footer does not translate to success in March anymore. Yeah. And so we're just at that crossroads of modern basketball where Zach Eady is seven four and he's the national player of the year. And Tobin's team can just spread him away from the basket, hit threes on him, and he's not even a factor. Yeah. Uh, Luca Garza plays at Iowa, is the national player of the year. He's probably the most skilled big man we've had in the Big Ten in the last 10 years. Right. And they get in the tournament, and, and he can't advance them. Kofi Coburn over at Illinois, as we all know, yep. is just 
one of the most physical guys we've ever had in the Big Ten. And you get in the tournament, and a small, you know, Loyola, Missouri Valley team pulls him away from the basket, double teams him, and Illinois with two with two stars can't get past him. So it's really an interesting time in basketball with the three point line and the older guys that it's uh it's 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 definitely changed. If those three guys in the nineties they're yeah. going to get at least to the Elite Eight and probably a Final Four, but now they, they can't get past the first round. Yeah, back Joe Barry Carroll taking the Boilers to the Final Four in yeah. 80, uh, Patrick Ewing, those guys. Uh, now, okay, Jess, I'll, I'll qualify this by saying the older I get, machine repeat, I'm trying hard not to be a cranky old guy. Sometimes it's getting hard, but I, I'm so old, I predate the three-point line. So I grew up in the area. We were, we were all taught uh, Bobby Knight, weak side defense, sag off. Uh, you know, the game was played from the inside out, dump it in, and then, you know, that's how it started. And again, not to be cranky, and I appreciate the skill level. Some of the games now just kind of look like jack fest. You know, guys, you know, working up 25-footers and stuff, whereas moving without the ball and dumping it into the post and post move. I mean, you, I remember watching you play down on the block with pump fakes, and oh, it was beautiful. It's just a different game now, isn't it? It really is. It's the uh, the analytics gurus a few years back took over the game, and there are even coaches now that, that call those guys and hire those guys to, to come up with systems that instead of looking at a, at a game, they're looking at a over, over the course of 10 games. What's the best philosophy? So if they say, okay, if I take 33-point shots and I can shoot 35%, well, then I'm probably going to win seven out of 10 games. If I take 30 post shots and I shoot even 80%, I'm probably only going to win four out of 10 games. Mm. So that that's really come into to play. So you're right. So you see some teams, some nights that will be three for 30, and it looks like, just like you said, a, a launch fest and it's not good basketball, but their analytics tell them that they're not going to be three for 30 over the next five games. Yeah. It's just that that's how it works, and it's, it's really uh, – become a lot, you know, computer generated and these ball screen offenses now, you know, we remember Carl Malone and John Stockton just side ball screen, roll to the basket or Kareem and magic. Well, yeah. now you get four or five of those per possession point guards screening for two guards, rolling continuity ball screen. And it's almost impossible to guard throw in like a, a Florida Atlantic who can shoot the three and all five guys can score. It's, it's become a completely different game. Mm. Or like you mentioned it, Patrick Ewing, you know, would Patrick Ewing lead his team to the Final Four in this era? Probably not three times like he did in the 80s. Yeah. It, you know, now that you, you kind of talk that through, Jess, it's interesting because, I mean, math is math. And that's one thing we taught our two daughters. Uh, they both went into math-related fields. You can't argue with it. But actually, if you look at farming, uh, always having to be able to rip it up and be willing to do it a new, better way. Because, I mean, that's just what farming is, right? You got to, the, the margins are so thin and it's so risky. You can't sit back. You, you have to be open. So I guess in that sense, you know, basketball in its new form is, is nothing different. That's exactly right. I mean, right, you, you survive in advance or you change or you die, right? It's, uh, yep. Yep. it's constantly changing. Uh, the, the farm magazines, guys like you who are constantly educating people on equipment, and the chemical people and then fighting the weed problems that we're always fighting 
seed corn, commercial corn. You're constantly trying to do what's best for your operation. There are so many different soil types and different strategies and, and climates. Um, it's it's an I, I tell people it's an extremely difficult game to play. And um, unlike when my grandpa JT was farming, the, the inputs now are so massive and so expensive. You just can hardly afford to make a mistake and get away with it over a couple of years time, as you know. So yeah. just with all the, the things globally and the, the way the markets change and the computer formulas, we, we're, we typically aren't on the cutting edge of that. We usually, you know, let the new stuff play out for a few years before we, we really analyze it. But I'm thankful for the guys who do go dive in. And I'm, I'm thankful for the guys who take more risk and, and also for the more conservative guys. It's, we've had a heck of a run in agriculture over the last 20 years and, and who knows what the future holds, but it's, uh, there's still, there's no better feeling early in the morning with dew on the ground and to, to turn that tractor over and see mm. that, that smoke choke out of that stack and, and know that you get a chance to do this. And, uh, oh. it, but it, it definitely takes more advisors and, and, uh, more studying than it probably ever has for, for as guys get bigger. Well, it's interesting stuff there, Jess. Uh, yeah, with farming, uh, I had two discussions this past week. You know, there's layers to it. So it, just from the equipment standpoint, some folks up with their operation, God bless them, they run all new equipment and that's that works for them. And then, But there's other folks back down the chain that, you know, tend to look to buy the three to five-year-old stuff. And then farther down, it's, it's, it's what's right for your operation, uh, pencil to paper, right? Well, no question. I mean, what kind of horsepower do you need? We, we no-till. So we don't need the, as much horsepower as some of the neighbors need. Uh, every, everybody's got a different philosophy, uh, whether you're down coming from the south up, up to Minnesota, the different rain patterns. Uh, there, there's a niche for everybody. And there are, there are so many people from the city who are even moving to outside of the suburbs to the country and buying a little John Deere or Kubota and, and farming 20 acres or having cattle on 80 acres. And, and there, there's room for everybody. And it's just a different strategy and different businesses. It's uh, you just you do the best you can with with what you've been given, and, and it's such a unique profession, right, Greg? Because so many guys are trying to start out, and, and so many guys have 150 years of of land being passed down to them. So it's different strategies, but yep. all the ancillary businesses that pop up just around a little seed and a, and a farm, it's amazing. It's capitalism at its finest, and. There's nothing like, as you know, there's nothing like being in an auction. Everybody's got equal opportunity. If, if you want to bid it and you want to get it, then you got to go get it. When the hammer drops, you move on to your next decision. It's, it's, I've always found it fascinating. It's just capitalism at its finest, and you do the best you can to make it work. Well, in our country here, I mean, we have our share of issues, but as long as we can roll up our sleeves and go for it, whatever your thing is, farming or business, whatever, it's still uh, the best place on earth. Uh, it just, you Absolutely. mentioned you mentioned auctions, Jess. Curious when you were growing up, or, or even these days, do you get out to many auctions? I I do. I love it. Um, I grew up uh, Richard Realty right there in Mount Pleasant. Yes. They sold out to Steffes. Yep. Uh, Sullivan is always in the area. And I, I think Big Big Iron just bought them recently. Yep. yep. But those guys are all local. Um, and I, I'm it's slipping my mind uh, the out of uh, Mickey Hoyer, I believe, out of New London. Yeah, Mickey yeah. Hoyer was, yeah. was probably the most that we went to and I went to with my grandpa's uh, when I was a kid. But yeah, it's uh, I still, if there's one in the area, we'll, we'll wander over there. 
and uh, it's it's great action. And I, I'm always amazed at what people will pay for certain things. And I'm always afraid of some pieces and other people aren't. And it's 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 a great uh, kind of a reunion feel, and you see the neighbors and and people that you really love and respect, and and you catch up. And and for me, when I'm around all those guys and gals, it, basketball always comes up, right? It's just yeah. it's what people talk to me about, and right. and uh, you you know the you know the conversations that happen, and you usually get a pretty good pork pulled pork sandwich at those oh, teams, as you know. Absolutely, that's. Uh... <laughs> I did attend my first auction. This was on the other side of the state. It was over in Hamlin, or uh, yeah, Ham- Hamlin, Iowa, northwest part of the state. Back in December, first time I've ever seen biscuits and gravy the morning of the auction. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, hey, hey, you just triggered something on my mind. Okay, this is for your listeners and okay. for you especially. Yeah, my dad is looking for an M M&M and M UTE with the adjustable wide front end. Mm. Okay? okay, so if you come across the the M M&M and M. UTE with the adjustable wide front end, you you uh, you text me, okay, or well, have one of your listeners call in because they would be that would be really special if we could pull that off for him. He's been looking for a lot of years and haven't been able to find one. That would make Pop smile, huh? Yes, yes. Okay. That M and M, that M and M stuff that gets in your blood now. It's oh, I know. You know that's how that is. that's uh, yeah, that's that yellow paint gets right in the red blood there. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and just uh, curious, Jess. Now you're actually the second. Iowa Hawkeye legend I've had on the Machine Repeat podcast. I, I don't know if you know the first, but Chad Greenway from up here in oh, Minnesota. Do you, oh. you know Chad? I do know Chad. Um, I, I haven't talked to him for quite a while, but yeah, you're, you're not kidding. I mean, you talk about a farm kid making it big. Yeah, what's what's he up to? I'm sure he's got his well, on all kinds of businesses. Well, see, this is why I loop around. Oh, Chad's a great guy. Played for the Vikings. Graduated Iowa. Vikings first round draft pick in 06. Linebacker, 11 years. Numerous times. Pro Bowl. Stuck around. Uh, he's in the Twin Cities. He's a part owner, which is why we did the podcast. He, the, uh, we're using Minnesota-grown corn in uh, Grey Duck Spirits, a company they started to make vodka and some other drinks. And which around the Twin Cities, it is really, in throughout Minnesota, it's really taken off. But Chad's just a great guy, farm boy from a little town in South Dakota. But on the hoop front, his daughter, Madden, uh, ninth grader, just won state championship uh, with Providence Academy. She has over 2,000 points, and she's a ninth grader. So Chad yes. Chad married yes. a track star from the University of Iowa. So we're, we're hoping that Madden maybe wants to stay and play for the Gophers someday. <laughs> maybe headed <laughs> back to Iowa that is, City. That, that's fascinating you bring that up. I, I was one of my best friends is Eric Hildenberg, who lives in Minneapolis. Uh, he played for the Iowa Hawkeyes as a football player. His dad is the legendary Wally Hildenberg, oh. who was on the Purple Butte. I grew, leaders, right? Is that what they call them? I grew up number 58, Wally Hilgenberg. God yes. bless him. Passed away a couple years ago, but uh, I spent every Sunday afternoon watching Wally play linebacker. Yeah, his son Jay, a uh, uh, Hawkeye legend. Yes, there are several Hilgenbergs that are uh, that have had success in, in pro sports. Eric, we were having dinner, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a year ago, I'm just guessing on that, yep. but yep. he brought up did you, uh, Chad's daughter, is, her name's Madden, is that what you said? Yep, Madden, right. So she must have been in seventh or eighth grade, and he said, you're not going to believe this middle school girl, how dominant she is. So I, I have heard of her, and you're right. He just he said you would not believe 
how amazing she is. So yeah, it's probably going to come down to Minnesota and Iowa and, you know, with Caitlin Clark and the Iowa women doing the final four right now, I'm, I'm hoping we have the advantage. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, pl- I'm putting the plug in to reach out to her and get her to get her well, out of the city. Well, that was the, that was where I was going to loop back is there's one player. They, I mean, obviously nobody compares to Caitlin Clark with the Hawkeyes now just <clears throat> yesterday. Was it yesterday? 41 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, got the Hawkeyes to the yeah. final four. Uh, but she was up in Minneapolis at the big 10 tournament here a week and a half ago, or two weeks ago. And, crusty old sports writer for the star trib up here he basically told people hey stop what you're doing watch this gal play basketball because it is just a joy and uh so we'll be cheering for the hawkeyes hope uh, hope the gals can bring home a ncaa title that'd be cool it really would uh this is Caitlin clark is a generational player and um, I've got a little sixth grader who loves to watch her play, and mm. she's uh, she's she's amazing. She's brought so much attention to the Big Ten, to the Midwest, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's been uh, it's been phenomenal. And this time of year, with just the power of the NCAA tournament to, to go, the farther you go, the more famous you become, and it's it's great. It's 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 amazing how many um, farmers and farm families love basketball. Yeah, and that's one of the great things i remember we used to stay at albert lee because we couldn't get a hotel room over in austin for mm. the national barrow show mm. and it just you, you'd sit around those hog pens all day right waiting to show and trying to sell and network and I, I even when i was in middle school or before i was even recognizable that it seemed like everybody just wanted to talk about basketball and, oh yeah and minnesota is probably is so underrated uh, and obviously in the last 10 years just it seems like the best high school players in america are coming out of minnesota and not enough people are talking about that, but people don't realize how the the farmers and those farming communities love basketball in Minnesota. And it's it's really it's it's unique and not enough people talk about it properly. Yeah, I wonder if in a way maybe if it's a rhythm of our egg cycles with the winters. Uh <clears throat> and I still enjoy yeah. it. It makes me smile every time just I'm going through the countryside and if I see a hoop on the side of a barn, whether it's in Indiana, Minnesota, Iowa, Arkansas, I mean it just makes me smile. Uh, me too. Me too. It's uh, it's just uh, a, a a boy or a girl, a ball and a dream, and it's and it's still fun to put that thing through the net, no matter what age you are. And yeah. It's uh, it's just everybody with the internet now and television and recruiting, you can find kids so much easier. Yeah. And it's, it's it's always a topic of conversation, and and there's a great history there in, in the Midwest, uh, and you you experience it every time you travel. Well, one last uh, thing, I'm just curious, Jess. Now you grew up near Mount Pleasant. Yeah. on a farm there in Winfield. So just curious, the old Threshers reunion, what, what's that like there around Mount Union every Labor Day as that baby rolls around? Well, it's, if you are a farmer or any connection to farming, it's, it's someplace that you've got to go at least once in your life, I tell everybody. And most people fall in love with it. Obviously, if you don't, you, you don't need to come back. But it's, it's one of those deals where you're going to see tractors, you know, as far back as you can go, and they're all on display and they're all on the parade and you're going to get the great things that you want to eat. And we're going back to even the steam powered engines. It's, it's a phenomenal deal. And, and even 20 years ago, Greg, we, we weren't sure that we just, you're never sure if the next generation is going to grab a hold of agriculture and keep pushing it forward. Right. Uh, do, do these kids want to go to Disneyland more? Do they you know carnivals and cell phones? And, and it's, and, and everybody thought that was completely wrong. Because it's bigger now than it's ever been. Hmm. So it, it's the 
these, this legendary greatest generation of farmers that we all love and respect. Your dad's a part of that. My grandpa, that, that what they did to take it from horses and buggies and one bottom plows to, you know, $900,000 combines in one generation like that. We, we just have such an appreciation and love for those people and their families and the struggles and making, surviving the eighties, the ones who did right. uh, recovering. But you, you don't know if these farm shows will keep going and, and, and yet, Old Thresher's reunion is stronger than it's ever been. So I would, they have some good concerts there, uh, all kinds of herbal tractors and toys and, and train rides and tractor rides. It's a really fun event to experience once. And if you're like me, you know, you end up going every year. And, and uh, That's and awesome. It. Well, folks, if uh, check it out, their, their website is oldthreshers.org. This year's event is August 31st to September 4th, right in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Great community, Southeast Iowa there. Jess, hey, you've been uh, fantastic with your time here. I appreciate it so much. Uh, folks, do yourselves a favor. you got to follow Jess on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at JessSettlesHoop. He's a great follow. And Jess, hey, thanks for sharing your passion for agriculture and your basketball stories. This has been just a treat. Thank you. Uh, right back at you. Appreciate all you do and, and just really appreciate all your listeners and, and what they've meant to act. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. And again, uh, folks, catch Jess. He's works for ESPN, Big Ten Network, and Fox News analyst on college basketball. Great work. And uh, thanks again, Jess. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. I love talking hoops. Uh, and wow, what a fun conversation with Jess Settles. Farming, basketball, work ethic. Your dad, your grandpa, your family, uh, what it was like growing up on a farm in Winfield, Iowa, and then uh, off to the universe, University of Iowa, 1994, uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, just a great conversation. Uh, so I thank Jess for his hospitality with his time. And uh, if you, again, folks, if you haven't seen Jess, uh, when next basketball season comes, college basketball season comes around, Look for him. Uh, games on ESPN, Big Ten Network, and Fox because this is a farm boy, and he works in farm references during the game uh, with a purpose uh, to connect people back to our ag roots. And uh, for me, it was it was just a great conversation. Again, I, I graduated uh, my high school, Benson, Minnesota, 1984, and I was the center on our basketball team. I weighed 165 pounds. I was six foot three and a half. All I had going for me was sharp elbows and a want, a want-to attitude. I, and I could shoot. I could not jump. My two younger brothers, Eric and Corey, had way more game than I had. But, you know, all these years later, uh, 40 years later, since I played high school basketball, but when March rolls around, you just, you feel it. And the district games and winner advances, losers out. And, you, and I always thought, you know, when you could put on a jersey, that had the name of your town right across the front of it. So in my case, Benson. When I was a little bugger growing up and I had a ball and a hoop and I would watch, you know, go up to the high school with dad and watch the games. There's no internet, no cell phones. You got four channels on the TV. That was it. I mean, you wanted to grow up and put that jersey on. And so really cool to hear Jess uh, share his uh, amazing path through high school basketball and college and then into, you know, farming and also television work for basketball. So anyway, you never know here on Machine Repeat Podcast what we're going to talk about, folks. But thank you again for sharing your time. And uh, again, keep an eye 
uh, for the latest with farm machinery values, maybe things in flux a little bit here. Uh, MachineRepeat.com. Again, all the auction prices are free. Uh, our YouTube videos, all that fun stuff. And of course, we thank you for uh, shopping for equipment you're looking for at MachineRepeat.com. So um, I guess until then, just remember that uh, no matter the circumstance, every day, every day is a gift and a blessing.